Good to be with you again as we continue our devotionals in the books of 1 and 2 Kings, tracing the decline of Israel from monarchy to exile. In yesterday's devotional, we met King Hezekiah and his son Manasseh. Uh, remember that Hezekiah was a not-so-bad king of Judah in Jerusalem who was given a message from Isaiah that his offspring would become eunuchs in Babylon. He thought, well, that's okay because there will be peace in my time. But if Hezekiah was unconcerned, we'd have thought that his son Manasseh would pay a bit more attention to this warning since he was personally in the crosshairs. But instead, his rejection of God and of covenant obedience was outrageously bad. And somehow, for reasons unknown to us, 2 Kings chapter 21 sums up in this way. As for the other events of Manasseh's reign and all he did, including the sin he committed, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? Manasseh rested with his ancestors and he was buried in his palace garden, the garden of Uzzah. And Ammon, his son, succeeded him as king. So somehow in the short term, Manasseh did not experience the consequences of his sins and of those of his forefathers. Well, how about his son Ammon? Was, was he any better? No, not really. But after only two years on the throne, he was assassinated by his own officials. Who's next? Ammon's young son, Josiah. In chapter 22 of 2 Kings, we read, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, after he'd been on the throne for 18 years, so by now he's 26 years old, Josiah decides that it is time for the temple in Jerusalem to be repaired and renovated, and so he commissions workers to start work. And there's a young bloke called Bob who is given the dirty job of cleaning out all the junk from the storerooms. There's dust and there's cobwebs and all kinds of rubbish. And if you think the storeroom in the old church hall is bad, you should have seen the junk in that storeroom. But as he's sifting through the mess, Bob finds a big old book, leather bound and important looking, and he blows the dust off the cover, clears a space among the junk, and he sits down to start reading this ancient text. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Wait a minute, thinks Bob. Maybe this book is important. He goes and he takes it to the high priest, Hilkiah, who also sits down and begins to read. Oh my goodness, he thinks, this is the ancient book of the law, the scriptures handed down from Moses. Hilkiah bumps it up the chain of command to Shaphan, the secretary, and he reads it. Oh my goodness, this is the real thing. Uh, we pick up the narrative in verse 10. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Tearing the robes is a symbol of grief and, and mourning for sin. It is an act of repentance. He, Josiah, 
gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns up against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So the prophet brings a message from God to Josiah, which includes these words. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Now, if Josiah was like his great-grandfather Hezekiah, he'd have shrugged his shoulders and said, OK, well, things are going to go all right for me. I've dodged the bullet and so you know, no worries. But Josiah is a better man than that. His concern is for God, for his people, and for their faithfulness to the covenant. And so here's what he does in 2 Kings chapter 23. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. What happened next? Well, Josiah cleaned all the idols and religious objects made for Baal and the Asherah and all the starry host, and he, he burned them outside Jerusalem. But that was just the beginning of his reform. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that had been erected in the temple and, and those who were making the religious trinkets for all of the other gods. He destroyed all the false religious objects and shrines and spiritists, mediums and practices Throughout Judah, his program of purification was rigorous and extensive. When he said that he and his people were going to follow Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God who had brought their forefathers out of Egypt, he really meant it. And he wanted to ensure that there was nothing left that would trip the people up in the future. The historian sums up Josiah's reign in this way. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. As for the other events of Josiah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? You know, the thing that impresses me about Josiah is that he knew that Israel were already God's people. They were covenant partners, but in breach of the covenant. It, it wasn't his place to start anything new. Instead, 
what was really needed was true repentance. What is true repentance? I think Josiah models this for us very well. When he was confronted by God's word, when he realized what he and the people had done, his first reaction was grief. He tore his clothes. He mourned his sin. He didn't blame his forefathers or the priests or the secretary or even Bob the fictional storeroom cleaner boy. He recognized his personal responsibility for his sin and also for the sins of the people for whom he was responsible. He grieved, but he knew that repentance was more than just being sorry. Next, he sent for the prophet. That is, he placed himself under God's word and at God's mercy. And even after the message of assurance from the prophet, he then went about changing his behavior and the behavior of his people. He, he took away the stumbling blocks. He demolished all of the remnants of that past false worship. And he kind of put up barricades to keep everyone away from the danger. In short, he put sin to death. Josiah's example is, is well worth our reflection today. So Paul writes to the Colossians, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.